The whole reason this podcast exists is because science is hard. It's hard to do, it's hard to write, and it's hard to read. And most importantly, it's hard to understand. It doesn't help that according to reporting by the Washington Post on a paper published by researchers at Columbia University, 59% of links shared on Twitter are shared without being read. That's obviously a problem, considering the capitalist hellscape we find ourselves in prioritizes content that generates clicks over what may be more boring but more accurate reporting. We don't have to look too hard for the type of schlock our media clickbait machine turns out. A research paper in the journal Nitric Oxide was titled, Mitochondria-Targeted Hydrogen Sulfide Donor AP39 Improves Neurological Outcomes After Cardiac Arrest in Mice. The researcher's own university press corps at Exeter reports on the study as rotten egg gas holds key to healthcare therapies, to which the media outlet The Week reports as study, smelling farts may be good for your health. Interestingly, the researchers themselves had their press corps issue an addendum stating that the researchers never mentioned any reference to inhaling hydrogen sulfide as a way to improve health. Now, I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you're not the type to share articles without reading them. But when there are so many things on our screen competing for our attention, it can be hard to give every piece of science reporting the care required to make a good judgment. I mean, who has the time? I definitely don't fact check every science article I come across. So instead of asking you to read every article you find, let's develop a much more practical skill here. Let's practice our ability to gut check headlines. Ready? You be the scientist. For this exercise, I'll begin by stating the title of a news article covering some science. I'll ask you what experiment you would like to see to convince you that the headline is true. Then I'll tell you what the article actually covered, and we'll assess how good of a job the headline did covering the actual science. We'll rank each headline on a scale. 4. Perfect accurate headline. 3. Potentially misleading but technically true headline. 2. Misleading headline. and 1. False headline. Finally, I'll rewrite the news article in a more accurate, albeit less fun way. Let's begin. Article number 1. Coffee drinkers walk 1,000 steps more daily than no coffee drinkers, study finds. Question, what experiment would you have liked to see in order to come to the conclusion that coffee drinkers walk 1,000 steps more daily than no coffee drinkers? Thinking time start. Here's my answer. In my ideal experiment, free from the hassle of actually doing science, I would get a large randomized sample and equip them with pedometers. I wouldn't tell them that this was a study that wanted to see an association between step counts and coffee. I'd tell them that we just want to see how much the average person is walking. Then I'd collect step data over time and ask them to fill out a survey with their coffee consumption frequency. I'd compare the average daily steps taken of coffee drinkers versus non-coffee drinkers. Now let's talk about what the study actually did. As a reminder, the headline is coffee drinkers walk 1,000 steps more daily than no coffee drinkers, study finds. 
The study in question called for 100 volunteers and randomly assigned half the group to drinking coffee and the other half of the group to not drinking coffee for two weeks. Then the researchers collected their step data. How good do you think the headline of coffee drinkers walk 1,000 steps more daily than no coffee drinkers is? The scale is as follows. 4. Perfect headline. 3. Potentially misleading but technically true headline. 2. Misleading headline. 1. False headline. I'll give you some time to work out a judgment. I would rate this article a 2 misleading headline. The term coffee drinker implies habituality, as in people who regularly drink coffee. In this experiment, half the people were assigned to drinking coffee regardless of whether they were habitual coffee drinkers before. Likewise, the other half of the subjects were told not to drink coffee. What if the difference in steps taken between the coffee drinking group and the non-coffee drinking group is due to depriving usual coffee drinkers of their coffee? The article does not communicate the necessary controls to separate these interpretations. For me, a more accurate headline would be, Study finds that people assigned to drinking coffee take a thousand more steps a day than people prevented from drinking coffee over two weeks. Is this pedantic? Maybe. But this, albeit less sexy headline, allows you to be more careful about interpreting science. Yes, maybe drinking coffee increases your step count, but also... Maybe when you stop drinking coffee, your step count decreases. No word on whether people who never drink coffee at all keep up with people who habitually drink coffee in this article. Article 2. Red wine benefits linked to better gut health, study finds. Question. What experiment would you have liked to see in order to come to the conclusion that red wine is linked to better gut health? Here's my answer. Let's look carefully at the language here. Red wine benefits linked to better gut health. Linked is one of these imprecise, loose words that could sound stronger than it actually is. Generally, you should interpret the word linked the way that you would interpret the word correlated. In my perfect experiment, I would take a randomized population and survey them on their alcohol intake and subsequently collect a biological sample. Then, I'd try to see whether people who report drinking red wine also have better looking samples. Here's what the article says. Researchers took a cohort of 916 female twins in the UK and found that people who drank red wine had more diverse gut biomes than non-red wine drinkers. That includes people who drank beer, white wine, or spirits. This association persisted even after correcting for age, height, weight, diet, and socioeconomic status. So how good do you think the title of red wine benefits linked to better gut health actually is? Like before, we'll rate these on the following scale, 4 for perfect, 3 for potentially misleading but technically true, 2 for misleading, and 1 for false. Here's my answer. 
This title gets a 3.5. It's accurate. Red wine consumers tended to have better gut microbiome diversity than their non-red wine drinking peers. So where did this headline lose points? I would say that the only strike here is that the title itself is just a tad bit leading. It's not a major strike, but technically the way that the study was done, we can only safely say that red wine consumers tended to have better gut microbiome diversity. What? Is, isn't that basically the same thing? What's going on? What's the difference? Technically, because we didn't do a study where a randomized group of people were put on a red wine diet versus other alcohol diets, if we conclude that the red wine itself is responsible for better gut microbiome diversities, we could be excluding the possibility that there's something else explaining why red wine drinkers have better microbiomes. For example, the article does not mention whether the authors of this research article accounted for potential differences in overall activity. Now this may sound conspiratorial, but maybe the type of people who drink red wine also like exercising more, and maybe it's actually exercise that is causing the microbiome to diversify. In short, we're not really looking at red wine drinking, we're really looking at red wine drinkers. Yes, this is pandantic, but this is what real scientific skepticism looks like. This is the kind of tedium that it takes to really reach the truth. I'm not saying that the authors are wrong, in fact the article seems pretty convincing to me personally. The authors compared three separate cohorts in different countries and saw that red wine drinkers tended to have better gut diversity, accounting for age, weight, height, diet, and socioeconomic factors. That's pretty dang good. But even when the evidence is overwhelming, skepticism allows you to be ready to pivot quicker once contradictory research is published. This is the kind of flexibility that is needed to engage with science. That's not to say that you should reject everything you hear in favor of an unlikely hypothesis. That makes you an actual conspiracy theorist who rejects mainstream science for the sake of rejecting something. You can choose to believe things and still hold on to some skepticism in case you are wrong. Believing you can be wrong is the core of intellectual humility, something that is so important when it comes to engaging with science. Let's do one more. No evidence to support link between violent video games and behavior. What experiment would you like to see to show whether this is true? For there to be no proof to show a link between violent video games and behavior, I'd like reporting that covers something like a review paper or a meta-analysis. Quote, no evidence to support link, close quote, to me, implies that all the research that went into studying this association came up blank. Here's what they actually did. Participants were asked to play video games and do a word association task afterwards. Participants who played violent video games with realistic depictions of violence did not find violent words more easily in their word association task than participants who did not play violent video games beforehand. How would you rank the title of no evidence to support link between violent video games and behavior? Once again, here's the scale. 4. Perfect. 3. Potentially misleading, but technically true. 2. Misleading. 1. False. I'll give you some time to mull it over. Personally, I'd give this title a 1. False headline. Nowhere in this article did the authors prove that there is absolutely no connection between violent video games and behavior. 
In my initial reading, I thought this was going to be a review of many papers in this field. Instead, this article reports the finding of one series of papers studying one specific relationship that video games can have on behavior. Do you see why it's important to have a high ceiling of proof when you read headlines? I would personally rewrite this headline to violent video games do not prime participants to subconsciously think more violently, or something like that. I can't really blame people for wanting to read snappy headlines and get quick overarching answers, but the reality is science is slow, deliberate, and precise. I'm not reeling against the original research article, I haven't even read it. What I am trying to get across here is that when bad, imprecise, clickbaity titles are used, it does the researcher and the reader a huge disservice. When research is covered like this, so much of the interesting nuance is removed, and that lack of nuance is what causes headaches down the road. A good headline is a line that catches your attention and entices you to click. These will always be written in a way that maximizes exposure, oftentimes at the cost of precision and accuracy. If your guard is down, you may end up passing off information you gleaned through a headline as fact. It's unreasonable to expect every netizen to thoroughly read through every article they come across, but hopefully I've helped you develop your gut check to catch yourself before accidentally spreading misinformation. If you want to check out the rest of the You Be The Scientist episodes, you can visit my website at ybtspod.com, where you can easily be redirected to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, and Spotify. And if you're there, you might as well stop at the scientific reasoning quiz where you can see how much you know about how to properly evaluate science. If you want my residual thoughts on this episode, as well as the primary research material, research aids, and other sources, you can check out the blog as well. If you want to suggest a topic for the next podcast or give your thoughts and feedback on this episode, get at me at YBTSPOD on Twitter. Music was done by Stybix, that's S-T-Y-B-I-X, and you can find him on Fiverr. And if I had to say a final departing thought, it's... Please don't go smelling your fart or anyone else's fart for your health. Just, just don't.